You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive coverage of Third Watch. We are still in the fifth season. We are moving into the tenth episode. This one was, uh, well, it's called Spirit. I should mention that first of all. Sadly, we're at this episode, but uh, it on the December the twelfth, the twelfth of December. 2003. It was actually written by Ed Alan Bonero. There you go. Surprise, surprise. And it was directed by none other than Mr. Skip Suddeth, who you may be familiar with, not too sure. Uh, but yes, this one is an interesting one to talk about. My name is Ben, and that's why they pay us the big bucks. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Darvell, and after what my mother cost me, I can't afford a brother. Yeah, that is a very true statement. Um, we are at the Second ever Third Watch Christmas episode. Um, refresh my memory, Darvell. What was our other Christmas episode that we had? Um, yeah. Look at oh this my one. god! I feel like I feel like it was a season two episode, but I. Oh yes, yes, yes! It was season two, Run of the Mill, Run of the Mill, episode nine. Yeah, I always get confused whether it's season two or season three, even though you know how much I love season two. But uh, yes, you are right. It was uh, Run of the Mill. Um, so that was kind of our really only ever Christmas episode. I think we had a few episodes last season that we discovered were sort of around Christmas. Um, but, you know, in terms of basically doing a full episode themed around Christmas, you know, Third Watch only ever does it twice. Um, uh, once it does it quite well, the second is the spirit. Uh, um, so, but I, I feel you and I obviously have, uh, well, are going to have, uh, quite a varying, depin- uh, differing, differing opinions on this one, it seems. Yep. And that's all right. It is. Sometimes, you know. That is all right. It just, you know, this, these are those moments that really prove that I'm right and you're wrong. So, it's fine. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> so, you know, it's got, the truth has to come out eventually, Darbell. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will say right off, though, that I can see why the Oliver the Onion storyline annoyed you so much. Oh, like, yeah. But... Look, we, uh, but the- I, at the time of recording this kind of just a date, I guess, how much of a gap there is between when this has been released and when we're uh, recording it. Um, it is sort of very close to Christmas time and we just did release, um, our recap on Jingle All the Way, which, you know, has a bit of a, I guess, similarity to this episode in the fact that obviously the entire movie on Jingle All the Way is about a father trying to find a toy that is all but sold out right before Christmas. Um, and this is essentially what, uh, Monroe is trying to do. So to me, this is just jingle all the way. If the toy was lamer and the vain person trying to find the toy wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I, I don't want to say isn't as awesome as Arnold Schwarzenegger because that's an unfair comparison. Neil Long is awesome, but you can't compare anyone to Arnold Schwarzenegger because the man is his own entity. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> And, like, what, in what universe, in what universe, Darvell, do kids want an onion as a present for Christmas? Like, can you answer me that? One that's can anyone been answer dressed that? up to look, one that's been, one that's been dressed up to look cartoonish or something, I don't know. It, I mean, maybe it, it's a VeggieTales character, who knows? What the hell is VeggieTales? <laughs> You've never heard of that? No, no I, I just did just then. Okay, well, VeggieTales is a, it's a, it's a children's, uh, I don't know if it was a TV show or a collection of short stories, but it's, 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 bi- it's biblical stories told from the point of, told in the style of, how do I say it? It's, 
people 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 provide people providing voices for animated vegetable characters or something i don't know right that's the best way i can describe it okay so but, that's our next recap series in Darvel. We're going to be covering Veggie Tales uh, coming soon. Is that kind of what you're wanting to? Is that what you're trying to imply here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not trying to imply anything. Just tell you, just give him my best explanation of what Veggie Tales is. Although you'll have to, I think you'd really have to look it up. I've just googled to it. Really get an idea. Um, and it comes up with a synopsis of Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber are an unlikely duo in a world of talking vegetables. The two friends learn about honesty, kindness, and forgiveness together, and Larry always has a silly song to sing. Another main character on the show is five-year-old Junior Asparagus. Am I in the right ballpark, or have I found something else here? Yes. Yes, that is that is exactly it. Um, and also, I will say, and of course this was always going to be a case in this day and age, that um, there are new stories presently about Veggie Tales. To which I can see here, California University's Whiteness Forum declares Veggie Tales racist from the Washington Examiner. From the Christian Post, there is a headline, Veggie Tales is racist and don't bring home the bacon. And from 101 Sports, because I'm sure sports shows talk a lot about Veggie Tales, um, Steve Carbone from realitysteve.com, Veggie Tales are offensive. Uh, so I don't know if this is making the rounds right now in the States that Veggie Tales, a show that I just found out about two minutes ago, is apparently very racist. Well, if it is making the round over in this over in this hemisphere, I haven't heard about it. Right. Well there you go. And if it and if it and if it if it is making the round I'll just I'll just say I've I'm a I'm a fan of it. I don't I don't find it offensive. Okay. But hey, that's just me. Interesting. But yeah, maybe maybe Oliver the Onion was a hidden Veggie Tales character. I don't know. I kind of feel <laughs> as though like, you know, Ed Almanero has written this episode and kind of wanted to do sort of the the whole storyline about trying to find a hot toy around Christmas, and and maybe it just brought it down to let's come up with a ridiculous concept of an idea, and he came up with a stuffed onion. So like that's to me maybe what is has happened here. So. That's the only thing I can really explain as to why maybe this is even a thing. Because, I mean, yeah, in all seriousness, what, what child would want a stuffed onion um, as a as a Christmas toy? Um, I don't know. Is it an American well, thing that I'm missing out on? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, apparently Sasha's nephew and um, all three of Ty's nephews. Yeah, so. apparently, apparently so. But uh, anyway, we, we'll find out more about Sasha and her onions and whatever you want to say about this uh, episode because, uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, so, let's start off. Let's go into it. Let's get into it. Exactly right. Um, I guess we kind of have a sort of a, a montage thing to start off with. We've got the text on the screen saying it's December 23rd. Um, we have shots of people skating. There's the Empire State Building. We've got the song Santa Claus coming to town. We've got all these signs of saying, Onion not in stock. You know, Oliver the Onion sold out. Oh, my goodness, no. Not Oliver the Onion, the hottest Christmas toy of 2003. Uh, and then we uh, see that there's a big fire. Uh, Sully shows up. A guy comes out of the building. Um, and Sully mentioning he thought that the building was abandoned. But clearly there's not. Uh, fire crews show up. Sully runs inside because uh, he sees Christmas decorations in there. And uh, he comes running out with a girl. Uh, well, a small child. We don't know if it's a girl just yet. 
Um, we've got Jimmy there. They're trying to get him out of the building. And Kim checks up on Sully and uh, says to check on the girl because the girl is unconscious. And uh, she fi- he finds a Christmas hat on the ground. And then he says, did he ever tell you I hate Christmas before we get the opening credits? So Sully is Scrooge this episode. Bah humbug. Um, because, I mean, Bitsome, though. we've already covered this, didn't we, uh, in season two that he hates Christmas, but hey, you know, it's got to be done again, I guess. Yes, that's the opening mm-hmm. episode, Darvell. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm not talking about this episode really. at all. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to say, like, <clears> yes, <throat> I'm negative on this episode, but again, as I said last week, there are some good stuff in this episode, good things in this episode, which I will get to when we actually see them. Um... So, we're in the hospital after the credits, and uh, apparently the girl is completely fine. Um, nobody died in that big fire, as that we find out. Um, Kim talking about that it's a miracle, you know, a Christmas miracle that this happened. Um, and then this is where, what, Kim's about to... What's Kim doing here? And Doc comes in and goes off at her? Like, what am I missing here? Oh, man. Uh, oh. I don't remember Doc going off at Kim I think this. I think what's happening is Kim is uh, saying that she's got to go or she's uh, ready to go. And um, Jimmy just basically says, isn't Kim the supervisor, Doc? And um, Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, basically Doc is like, stay out of it, Jimmy, and they have a bit of a disagreement. So, yeah, this is kind of our uh, bar humbug from Doc. This episode, that he's uh, being a bit of a dick still, uh, because, you know, he was semi-nice last episode, now he's got to be back to being his royal dickness. Can we call him that, his royal dickness? Yeah, I mean, this time around we can. Yeah, I mean, you know, between Doc and Sully are kind of the moral centres of this show, as we've kind of said, you know, obviously Doc's swaying away a little bit from that. Um, the ones who've been on the street for a long time, and uh, while Doc is doing it in yeah dicky way, obviously Sully is just being Sully. Is that a way of putting it? Yeah. Yep. I mean, because again, Doc before would have would probably not have been this much of a dick. Yeah. So exactly, exactly. So we're in the car. We've got Sasha. She's on the phone. Good for her. Uh, she's looking for the onion. Um, and she's uh, basically talking to all these different, um, storekeepers who are going off at her and saying, you know, it's this close to Christmas. What are you doing? How crazy you are. I do have to ask that question though. Like, what is she doing this close to Christmas? Why has she left it so late? Um, at least we do know in Jingle All the Way that Arnold Schwarzenegger is just a bit of a deadbeat dad. Um, but in all fairness to Sasha, she seems to be a pretty good auntie. And, um, why on earth is she, uh, you know, leaving it so late? But anyway. Um, Bosco speaks essentially for the entire audience when he turns to Sasha and says, an onion named Oliver, <laughs> um, basically like going off at her for that. Um, and I think she does mention here something about like, oh, I haven't been available. So I'm doing it now. And Bosco's like, well, you're not available. You're working. Um, I do like the line though, when Sasha's like on ringing up somebody else and is, and she's like, if I hear one more happy, happy Christmas. And then, uh, she's like, hello there and a Merry Christmas to you too. <laughs> so sarcastic. Putting, put, yeah. Putting, putting on that really syrupy, 
that really syrupy, sweet, and overly sarcastic tone. I love it. Sassy Sasha. And sa- sa- sassy yeah, Sassy sa- Sasha. Is that a yeah, twister? Yeah, we should just start calling her Sassy Sasha. Sassy, so we started a new trend here. Um, that we've got to start hashtag the hashtag. Sassy Sasha. Sass- sassy Sasha. That's a hard thing to say. Sassy Sasha. Sasha. I would Sassy say, Sasha. See, the thing yes. is, I, I constantly will say Sasha, because that's how, as Americans, and she's an American character, that's how it's pronounced. But can I just point out, in Australia, we say Sasha. That's how we would pronounce it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds very right. Australian when I say it out loud like that. Sasha. Sasha. Have you met my friend Sasha? Um, <laughs> so I sometimes try to... No, I haven't. What's she like? Um, <laughs> she likes onions. And is bad at Christmas shopping. And is sassy. <laughs> yep. I believe that's on a Tinder profile. Alrighty then. Um, but Bosco says to her, you know, maybe mention that you're a police officer. And I do like the way she kind of says on the phone, like, would it help if I mentioned that I was a police officer? Um, and Bosco pulls up and he's basically saying to Sasha, like, hey, like, look. And we see a sign and it says, uh, Oliver the Onion in Bus- stock. I love her reaction. She's yeah. like, Bosco, I think I love you. <laughs> as much as I despise this episode and I think this uh, storyline is dumb, uh, Nia Long is great in this episode, though. Like, she, she, yes. what she's working with, uh, and I'm not going to say that this is a badly written episode. It's written by Ed Allen Bonero, and I have been told off for saying that uh, people there is such thing as bad writing out there because apparently that's disrespectful to writers, uh, even though writers are capable of writing bad things sometimes. Can I just point that out? Um, that was Sassy Ben. Ooh, where did that come from, Darvel? Wow, that just that just emerged out of the inside of me. This is, this is a sign that our podcast has changed. Um, but it's, yeah, like, th- this episode is well Everybody has written. a little bit of sassiness in them. Yeah, this is, I think this episode is well written. Because I think the content and everything about it is fine. It's just, I'm not a fan of the content. So that's where I'm coming from. I'm not going to sit here and say this is a snowblind or a fire starter, which were poorly written episodes, in my opinion. So, um, yes, Ed Allen Bonero, at least yeah. there's a bit of quality to what I perceive as a bad episode. Um, we've got, <laughs> I love it back in the hospital <clears throat> where we've got Sassy Mary, uh, who basically they're trying to ask questions about, uh, what the little girl, Sally and Davis, and Mary just completely goes off. She just wants to get out of there. Is it like too much to see someone over my secret Santa? Oh, so, oh, I love it. I love Mary. Have I ever established that I love yes. Mary? Yes. Yeah, me too. And I would have loved to have known what that, who, uh, what that secret Santa gift was. Yeah, well, I mean, did she get Just some, some coal? Like, cause she's that angry? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I do also love what she's wearing. Maybe. How she's kind of wearing like reindeer antlers, and she's got like a mini little Christmas hat <laughs> dangling between the reindeer antlers. It's kind of funny. Um, we're in the toy store <laughs> nice. where Bosco and Sasha have pulled up, and um, Munro is basically pleading with this guy. Um, to, to have the onion, and he's saying that he uh, sold it only ten minutes ago, and Sasha like begging, doing—it's oh. always a way, isn't it? That, that happens. That happens to me. I swear that will happen to me every time I go somewhere. I'm looking for something. They'll say like, "Oh, we just sold the last one." Um, so she's and begging. Then you're just like, "No!" Yeah, start throwing <laughs> onions at people. Just get a real onion and start pelting it at the window. Um, 
So she's begging and pleading. One of the, the funniest bits, though, I do really like of this episode, and I do remember um, back in the live journal days when you used to have, like, you had a, a, an icon, like an avatar sort of thing as your profile, and you could have ones that move. They were, I guess they were kind of like the GIFs before GIFs were a thing. Um, and I remember, like, I was a, a member of a couple of Third Watch groups, and there was a member in one of the Third Watch groups who had this avatar of what this scene is, and it's just such a funny little scene. You've got Bosco walking around the store, just kind of picking up little things and looking at them. He puts on a cowboy hat, like a mini cowboy hat of all things, and he kind of stares at himself in the mirror, puts his fingers in the shape of a gun, and kind of cocks a gun at the mirror as if to say, like, you know, howdy, partner. And then he kind of just, like, <laughs> so blankly just turns around and looks, and uh, then goes like, oh, you got a bathroom? <laughs> like, it's just so <laughs> random. And it's just this brief little scene. And this is, again, why there is some fun stuff in this episode. And I just always yes. remind you of that person on Live Journal who had that as a movable avatar. Um, just hilarious. And it just looks funny, Jason Wiles wearing this little cowboy hat. Um, so he goes to use the bathroom. Uh, he sees a guy there who's having a smoke. And it turns out... That, um, they, this guy is a convicted, uh, child molester. And that clearly this, uh, toy store owner, this sweet little old man, has not done a background check, check on his Santa. And, uh, yeah, has hired a <coughs> child molester. We actually haven't quite heard that yet. I have skipped a scene in the middle there. All it is is Sully to the little girl, basically. Well, we meet this little girl. She's eating food. And, um, we find out that she doesn't have any parents. And that she's obviously homeless. Um, Sully goes, oh, the bums. And it's like, oh, they're not bums, they're my friends. Um, so we meet this little girl for the first time. Who's going to become the, uh, I guess, the point of this episode? And I'm just saying it now. Yes. She just gets on my nerves. I cannot stand this girl. This is a lot of the reason why I don't like this episode. I have a thing, and it's constantly been uh, noted in many episodes on the Oz Network, that um, if a child... Uh, is an actor who I believe either can't act or is annoying. They can ruin an episode or a movie. And this girl, to me, is annoying as all hell, and she ruins this episode for me, as well as the onion. So I, I think you have a very differing opinion, though, of this young girl. Audrey is her name, if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> yes, Audrey. That is her name. So you, are you, do you like this girl? I mean, do you, do you find her non-annoying, if that's even a correct phrase? Well, oh man, now I'm, now I'm kind of saying to myself, okay, how can I be objective here? <laughs> mm. um, well, it's easy for me to be, it's easier for me to, for me to connect to the character because, and this sounds like a, this sounds like a cop out, I know. But it's easier for me to connect to the character because, in some ways, in some ways, I can, I can identify with her. I know I wasn't homeless on the street at twelve years old, but, I mean, as you know, because we've talked about this off air. I mean, I have witnessed, witnessed, you know, drug addiction and stuff like that. And I have my family and I. We have actually been homeless a couple times in my life, so I know what that's like and i admire her spirit despite that because she has every right to you know be bitter and hate the world and say fuck it all but 
the way she the way she you know continues to shine so to speak even with those circumstances it's just it's it's really admirable to me okay well i mean i find that interesting with that perspective and um i guess my viewpoint is that it's nothing against her character and what she's trying to i guess portray because i think you're absolutely right she has this level of spirit and like hence why this episode is probably called the spirit um and i think kind of she is the the positive light for this episode where like she is meant to portray that spirit literally when there's shit going around the you know down and whenever there's something bad happening like here she is coming across and portraying that no matter what bad happens in the world you can still have a positive attitude and you can i guess um you know look past the bad and still remain happy because yeah she would have every right to i guess be down and out in the world and kind of look down on everything um i just guess this is probably one of those cases where it maybe it's just the actress who annoys me um like it's just she just has this style like i have when it comes to like children sort of like this in shows and that particularly when you've got i guess a child portraying a more grown-up character because you know we get that line don't we from one of the her friends saying that like you know sometimes i think she's older than i am like she's kind of got that very mature matureness that's that's correct way of saying it about her yes and and she does it's one of these things to me that it's it's maybe like the amnesia storyline in that i always go off about is that like it's very rare that you can do it right. And when you do it right, it's fine. But for the most part, it always gets done wrong. And I just, maybe it's just me personally that I always get annoyed with kind of that mature child character in movies and TV shows. They kind of just get under my gear. Like, I guess we all probably have a, a type of character in movies and TVs that we generally will always be annoyed with, um, no matter what they're trying to portray on screen. And maybe one of mine is the mature acting child. And she just annoys me. She just, I, I, I really have no other explanation outside of she annoys me. Cause I, I can't disagree with anything you just said then, Darbell. I think you, you explained it beautifully. I just can't get past the fact that she annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> and that's, and like I said, like I've said off air, you and I are going to have differing opinions about her, but that is okay. And I mean, some, some people, it, it is true. It, it is true. Some people, some children are, and sadly, this is because of them seeing things and being subjected to things that no child should ever have to deal with. But some children are, as they say, wise beyond their years. Yeah. And at the end of the day, too, we all have people that we have in our lives or know or have met that just annoy you for no no, no reason whatsoever. I have heap of people in my yeah. life throughout the years yeah. that I've, I've just pissed me off. And everyone's like, why? They're such a great person, Ben. And I'm like, I just don't know. They just annoy me. I don't like them. <laughs> like, yep. That's yeah, common. You're right. We all me. have those people. <laughs> yeah, we all have those people. Uh, the actress who plays uh, Audrey uh, is Lily Kershaw, who actually seems like she's gone on to become more of a singer than an actor. Um, so she uh, has quite okay. a few songs out there. She's uh, a lot of her filmography... Uh, on IMDb is actually for her singing work. And I can see her acting work. This actually was her, apparently her very first acting role. Uh, and then she wouldn't appear in anything else until Criminal Minds in 2009. 
and as an actress, Ooh. she's... Uh, Who did she play in Criminal Minds? Oh, she was just a random character called Kelly in an episode called To Hell and Back. Um, and oh, I've seen that episode. Okay. Um, she also was in Law and Order Los Angeles. I didn't even know there was such a show called Law and Order Los Angeles. Uh, switched to yeah, it birth. Yeah, ran for one season. Okay, Finding Carter, a TV series called Finding Carter, and um, a couple of shorts here and there. She's also uh, done a bit of directing too. She's been a second assistant director as well, um, and she has appeared as herself. Clearly, obviously, being interviewed on a couple of different talk shows. So yeah, she's I guess probably it seems gone on to become more of a singer. <coughs> Than an actor, so yep. um, Lily Kershaw. Okay, I'll check out some of her Kershaw, songs. Kershaw, Kershaw, K E R S H A W, Kershaw. Um, Kershaw. So, okay. Yes, she has thirteen thousand likes on Facebook, so she's more popular than us. Good for her. Uh, mind you, though, <laughs> it doesn't take much to be more popular than us. That's not really something that you should probably should brag about. Um, as I said, kind of that <laughs> uh, scene was in the middle. Uh, Martin McDougal is a child molester. Um, and he gets arrested and obviously the store owners are shocked. Well, you should be shocked, mate. Why didn't you do a background check? Like, it's kind of interesting this whole episode, how they portray this guy as like a, well, they portray this guy as sort of like a nice, sweet, innocent old man and everything who kind of comes to the rescue at the end. But he kind of brought this on himself. Like, who hires a Santa and doesn't do it? Like, this is legitimately someone who works with children. Like, this guy, like, what era, like, he's probably old school. He's grown up in a world where, you know, where whatever time frame he's from, I don't want to, you know, jump to conclusions that he's from, like, the 1800s or something like that, but, like, where things weren't as strict, like, clearly, you know, you didn't always have to do this, but even in 2003, it was still similar to what it is today, in that, sadly, we live in a world where we've got people like this, but we also live in a world to protect our children, where you would run a simple background check on someone, and if this guy is legitimately a child molester who has been charged for it, I'm sure you could have Googled this guy's name and there would be, like, parental watch groups and everything like that talking about him on forums and everything because that's the sort of groups that exist out there to kind of portray out there that who these people are. So this, guy, this guy's got no, right. no one else to blame except himself. Right, although in all fairness, I mean, come on. If the guy, this Martin McDougal guy, I mean, come on. Do you really think he's going to give the... Do you really think he was going to give the guy... His actual name. Let's say the guy was smart enough to run a background check. Do you really think he would give the guy his actual name? No, but in that aspect, then have you ever applied for a job where it would have been possible for you to use a fake name? Because then you would have to provide ID and kind of bank account details and things like that. So, you know, like surely. This no, I haven't. But yeah. that could be done too if you if you if you know how to do it. That can be done too. True, true. But like even then, like. Uh, I don't know. I just think that there's this guy's just an idiot <laughs> for not checking. Like, you know, if I'm running a business where I've got people around kids, like that, legitimately is the first thing that I'm going to be doing. Um, and it's America. You guys sue everyone. Like, come on. Like, is this leaked to the press? How <laughs> many parents who went into that shit store? Too. How many parents who went into that store? If this leaks to the press that they hired a child molester, this guy's going out of business. So, like, no today, giving away yeah, presents definitely. away at the end of the episode. He's going out of business. Yep, and t- today, in the high-tech age of news spreading faster than it can be published, yeah, yeah, this man, if if this were today, I, sh- I love when we bring it up, bring up how things would play out if this were done today. Yes, he would be out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, it's just... You know, 
I'm, I feel like I'm overly nitpicking, but again, welcome to the Oz Network. Um, we're at the firehouse, and Jimmy sort of is questioning Doc about uh, everything happening, um, you know, the way he's changing. Uh, and then, you know, Doc basically saying, you're not my supervisor. Um, and then he turns around and is essentially... Actually, what's that? Actually, isn't he... Isn't he Doc's supervisor, though? Because, I mean, he's filling the role that Johnson had, and Johnson Johnson was the supervisor of all of them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He is. Maybe he's just being a dick and basically implying, like, you're only there in a temporary position. Like, if you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, <clears throat> or maybe just Jimmy just doesn't stand up to him because, I mean, kind of Jimmy just becomes very passive here, and this is one of those occasions where I think... It doesn't matter who the supervisor is, like, you're still going to be looking at this point as if to say, like, okay, this guy, something's wrong, I'm just going to let him run his mouth. Um, so, well, because, I mean, basically, he just runs off and is saying that, uh, you know, you're defending your squeeze. Uh, I do like the way he's kind of like, yeah, you're doing her again, right? <laughs> like, about Kim. Um, and although Jimmy, he does say, like, you change your tone of voice, uh, or you will get a reprimand. So clearly, Jimmy here, I guess, pulling his power. So, yeah, I, I think... I mean, you're right. Like, he is his supervisor. So, I guess Jimmy kind of just doesn't really point it out here, though. But um, I do... Right. As much as, like, Doc is being his royal dickness, it is kind of just funny the way the Doc is just like, who gives a damn? Like, he really doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> so... Uh, good old Doc. Um, yeah. But then the Carlos uh, comes in and they find out that there's a message for him from somebody claiming to be his brother... And, uh, this is where Carlos, actually, sorry, Walsh has just gotten off the phone, hasn't he? Uh, Carlos screws up the piece of paper and throws it away. Everybody kind of looks at him and he's kind of like, what? And he's just like, from what my mother cost me, I can't afford a brother. Uh, which, again, valid point, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Which, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, isn't it? That, you know, it really is. You're not going to believe something like this happening. But this is where a kind of the storyline, I think, kind of works well. Because even, I guess, us as an audience is probably like, oh, yeah, right. Somebody pretending to be this and poor Carlos is getting, a, you know, drawn through the mud uh, yet again. Um, come back after a break. We've got Jimmy and Kim. They're going, uh, putting a Christmas tree up. They find Baby's First Christmas. Again, do we not even hear Joey's name at this point, I believe, again? Um, we do actually hear his name in a couple of episodes, so they do remember his name again. Um, mm-hmm. and they don't change his name. Oh, look at that. They actually remembered a character's name in this show. Um, but um, they're talking about how Christmas has always been good for them, and Kim invites Jimmy over to uh, play Santa. It's a nice little moment between these two, because, again, as we keep talking is. about this season, you know, it's a good season for these two to kind of just mature up and everything. But um, they say that Joey's eight... Uh, when did we last, was, how old was Joey in season one and two? Do we remember? Um, six, wow, five? they didn't age him. They, yeah, I was going to say, wow, they didn't age him very well, did they? Cause isn't um, in the first episode when she's like going the ho-ho's and the things like that. Oh and- yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, yeah, there's a line from one of the first few episodes. You try raising a six year old on city pay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like she she says it in another episode too. So yeah, they've definitely not aged him well. <laughs> like they've 
he's stunted growth. He's like just frozen age. Maybe he was born on the uh, 29th of February or something like that. And he's one of those babies where, you know, technically you're only like three or something like that because your birthday's every four years. <laughs> so, you know, I always wonder how that works. If you're born on the 29th of February on a leap year, then how do you celebrate? Your, what, what, what day does your birthday fall on the other years that aren't leap years? It's, it's entirely the person's choice. Sometimes people like to have it on February the 28th. Some people like to have it on March the 1st. I had a, there was a girl in uh, school I went to in primary school. Her birthday was on February the 29th. Um, but I, I do love the way they, you know, oh, I only age once every four years. Um, yeah, you <laughs> technically don't. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, it's, yeah, I, I, it's weird that they kind of have forgotten it. But again, you know, like, we're being overly critical. But again, as I kind of explained a few episodes ago, it's clearly not that hard to have a little black book or a whiteboard permanent marker on there saying, like, you know, Kim and, uh, Jimmy's family, Joey, you know, he was six in season one. So add five, he should be like 13. I mean, it's kind of the opposite with Emily, isn't it? Whereas, um, they might have skipped like a year in the middle there. I think she went from being 12 to 14 uh, when they yep. changed her into Bonnie Dennison. But even then, there's probably a way around it because at the end of the day, we don't ever know how much time passes in the majority of these third watch episodes, do we? Like, Except when no. we were around like 9-11 and kind of things <laughs> like that. That was really the only time we ever sort of got a, a clear inkling of what exact year and time frame it was. So for all we know, there could have been a two-year time jump in this show at some point, which was never explained, and we wouldn't be any wiser to it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? But um, as they're kind of zooming up on the baby's first Christmas uh, decoration on the tree. We kind of get a bit of a sad moment here with Doc uh, as he's looking at a Christmas card um, with a baby on it and uh, he's staring um, at a family with a tree walking into a house and um, he then kind of walks off. I always I always thought, because um, he, he also has a bit of a flashback, I should say, of him and Morales and Morales putting uh, decorations on the Christmas tree. It's like, Morales, oh, remember Morales? She comes up and gives Doc a hug. It's little moments like this that I think, and maybe there are very few moments with Doc because kind of as we've gone over, it's, unless you're watching this sort of, you know, uh, all together like we are, uh, the first time I ever saw this again, as I've said plenty of times, it really annoyed <coughs> me what they did with Doc. But it's little moments like this where you see that they're trying to explain, I guess, kind of why he's being this way and kind of how he's lost everything. And it's it's only like a literally a 10-second moment where he's staring off into the abyss at a family with a tree and he has this brief flashback of him and Morales. And anybody who's started watching this show at this point would have no idea what this is or what this means. But you know here yeah. that Doc is obviously extremely depressed. This time of year doesn't help. And we're going to find out that this and Christmas is. card essentially is from Morales and that she's had a baby. Yeah, of course, of course, we know the whole time, I mean, he's thinking to himself, that could have been me. Yeah. I wasn't so well, damn insecure. Well, it should insecure. have been you, Doc. Could, Come on, it's a 90-minute it really drive to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it really sh We can't let that go. <sighs> no, we can't. Well, neither could he, but yeah, well, deep down, neither could he. We have established long and long a time that it's his own fault. 
a lot of them for most of it. 90 minute drive, mate. 90 minute drive. Not that long to get to Philadelphia. Um, it's still a sad little moment. So we, yeah, we feel for Doc, but, um, we've got, uh, Carlos and Davis who are putting up a tree. They talk about their tree looking a bit like the Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. And, uh, Davis is basically like, I get this crap from Sully all day. The whole I hate Christmas crap. And, uh, Carlos basically explains and says like, well, you know, this is why, Sally's so depressed because, you know, he goes to bed alone, wakes up alone, and basically it's the same day for him uh, as it is every other day. Um, it's not, nothing. And that different. is a fair point. Yeah, well, it's true, because he kind of says to uh, David, like, are you going to go around there and be, have Christmas with him? And he's like, no, I'm going to have it with my family. So, you know, it's it's a valid point, um, which is it's, it's interesting about Christmas because... Um, you know, I, I, many, many years ago when I worked at a call centre and they kind of, you know, were sort of saying, like, some people have to work Christmas, uh, there were legitimately people who straight away put their hand up and was like, hey, I will work Christmas. Because, I mean, admittedly, you got triple pay for working on Christmas. Uh, but there were people there who didn't have any family. Didn't Christmas didn't mean anything to them. So, like, to them, it legitimately is another day. Um, so, and I'll be honest, that's kind of like what Easter is to me. Like, Easter means nothing to me. So, um, you know, Easter rolls around and I'm just kind of like, oh, it's annoying. There's a day off and I can't do things and stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely is a thing for some people. And it also, not just that it doesn't mean anything, but there are people clear like Doc and Sully, like what we're pointing out in this episode, that it is, it's, it's harder on people sort of, you know, um, Right. Because it is always that time of year where you get together with family and kind of reflect on that. And, you know, like, uh, my, my mother died like 10 days before Christmas a couple of years ago. So Christmas to me always now is, I still love Christmas. I'll always love Christmas, but it's, it's, it's changed a lot since that, that year and kind of, you know, it always has a slight different memory. So yeah, it's like, it's understandable kind of what Carlos is obviously saying here and everything. And, you know, cause it is, it means different things to different people. Yeah. Right, sorry, um, I was having a mouthful of coffee there. I thought you were going to talk more. Uh, That's awkward. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was. I thought I was going to also, but then I completely lost my train of thought. That's all right. Again, as we always say, whenever you say that, people lose their train of thought by listening to this crap that they're listening to right now. Um, so <laughs> we're back at the uh, precinct. Lou puts on a giant Christmas tree. Which um, can I just point out why is he putting up a Christmas tree on December twenty four? <laughs> so, yep, yep. That's good to see that they're quite on the ball there at the 55th precinct. Uh, they're in the locker room. They're chatting about the onion. Davis admits that he's gotten an onion for his, uh, nephews or a couple of them. And, um, Sasha wants to buy them off him or just buy one. I do love the way Sasha essentially is just so, like, desperate to get this that she's willing to, like, cost Christmas to other people. Like, you know, I will buy one off you. And, Davis is like, uh, yeah. Then what <laughs> oh, then what am I going to tell my nephew? Sh- can't they share? Uh, um, and, um, yeah, so that's kind of them having a fight. Sully opens his locker and a Christmas hat falls out of the locker. Bosco has a nice little moment where it's just kind of like, that's not an approved uniform item. Sully and, uh, Sully just basically like, don't you ever shut up, Bosco? Um, and they get ready to, uh, go out for the day. Um, Doc talking to Ky- uh, to Kylie. Doc talking to Carlos, asking, uh, how's Kylie? Um, Carlos just basically replies, yep, she's sick. Um, and this is where we find out that Morales has had a kid, that she sent him a card, and that her kid is five months old. Um, and the only thing that's just kind of a bit weird here is the way 
Doc is kind of like, you know, oh, could you imagine me with a kid? And Carlos is kind of like, oh, I think you'd make a great father. And Doc's kind of like, no thanks. Wasn't that a huge reason why, like, him and his, um, you know, widowed wife, widow, his wife, basically, uh, you know, had issues because she didn't want kids and he really wanted kids? Like, why is, I guess Doc, yes, has, Doc has cracked it. But I mean, still, like, surely he'd want kids no matter how he's mentally going right now. Yeah, and and you me- you mentioned that, and when he and when he said that, I started thinking about that conversation from uh, the Ohio episode, episode seventeen, season one, where um, where he talks to Kim about how you know him and Deborah, Deborah, not Deborah, Linda, as she not will be Linda, called, Deborah, <laughs> yeah, as she will be called in a season's time, uh, well, a season and a half's time. Anyway, uh, how him and Deborah used to used to actually fight about wanting kids because doc always said that he would have loved having kids more than anything else. And now he says, can you imagine me with kids? What? Yeah. Doc, come on. He really has lost it. He really is just gone down a weird spectrum. I do like the fact that when Carlos is kind of looking at the picture and he's kind of like implying that it could be docs and docs kind of like, Hey, like I haven't seen her in like however long it's been. Um, Doc answers the phone. Uh, it's a guy claiming to be Carlos's brother again. Carlos ignores it. They hit the street. Um, so there's that. Uh, back in the precinct, our um, terribly uh, challenged old man who can't hire people correctly <laughs> shows up to uh, the precinct. And as a thank you to Sasha, gives her Oliver the Onion. Yay, this ugly, weird-looking toy. Sasha's um, reaction is fantastic. And um, she basically is right in front of uh, Swirsky as this is happening. And then he says it's a gift that she he will not accept any money for it. And then Sasha's basically like, look, I can't accept gifts. You know, we're not allowed to. It's against policy. And um, he basically says, well, I'm not taking it back. So she's going to donate it under the tree. Now, a couple of things about this. Yes, she's right in front of the lieutenant. And, um, you know, Bosco sort of asked a question like, would have you done that had you not been in front of the lieutenant? Could she not have just simply gone like, look, I can't take this as a gift, but I can pay you for it, please. Like, this is the only way I can accept it. Um, like, she could have fought for it a little bit more. Or again, this Christmas store owner, showing how dumb he is, that he basically, after she puts it on the table, the way she go- he goes, oh, it seems so sad. Can't you, Mr. Smarty Pants, then turn around and go, okay, well, if you can have it by paying for it, I will accept some money for it. You know what I mean? Like... It doesn't take that much to quickly satisfy her needs. This guy is so dumb. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, so then Bosco... <laughs> I do like the way Bosco replies to it as well, the way kind of she sits, he sits it on the table and she's like, it seems so sad. And then Bosco's like, yeah, I'm the one who arrested the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and and also another thing, wouldn't somebody just pick, if that onion is so much in demand, how on earth does that last as long as it does before Lou puts it in the locker? Unless like he quickly goes and swipes up straight away, because this is a police house. That is right at the front of the house. It's not wrapped up. Somebody's going to walk in and freaking steal that onion. Like if it's that much in demand. Right out of a police station? Well, I mean, Sure, or like a police officer, somebody's surely going to do it. Like, I mean, people steal stuff all the time from random places. But I mean, like, if you've got 
an open table with a, a brand new, uh, you know, Xbox sitting on the table just in wide view like that where it's a busy thoroughfare where people can easily block the view, that's totally been stolen. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but I think I've got valid nitpicking here, uh, Darvel, I'm just saying. Um, so, anyway, we're at the uh, homeless shelter or the orphanage, or whatever you want to call it. Sully uh, and Davis are trying to find Audrey because uh, they want to deliver the Christmas hat. Um, all the kids are watching, uh, TV, Christmas TV show. They're trying to find out where Audrey is. Kind of just apologize to people at home if you keep hearing, hearing me sniffle. Um, it's, it does sound very disgusting. I apologize, but, uh, I will be blowing my nose, um, very soon after the episode. Just, I don't usually go out of my way to apologize for things that are happening outside of the recording, but, uh, I feel the need to be a little bit professional for once. Um, they go up to see Audrey's room. She's escaped. Uh, I love the way she's escaped kind of like old movie style where she's tied sheets to each other and kind of climbed out the window. It's like, okay, good on you, Audrey. <laughs> yep. What are you, like a bank, like a robber escaping from prison in a 1940s movie? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, we're at the firehouse afterwards. They're all having Christmas. They're all sharing cookies and food and everything along those lines. And we see a man has come upstairs. He's in a nice looking trench coat. He's very well dressed. It's uh, none other than Adam Beach, a uh, famous TV actor. And um, this is the man who has been claiming to be Carlos's brother. And he says that I am here to see Carlos. Um, he is my brother. So, you know, a bit of a Star Wars moment. You know, I am your father moment, except I am Carlos's brother. I do like the way they kind of cut to all the people's reactions. Like, you see Kim's face and Jimmy's face and kind of uh, Walton and DK's face. And then they just kind of have this funny, like, pan shot where he kind of looks to his right and he sees a snowman with a Mexican hat on and he just kind of looks up as if to be like, um, yep, okay, yep, there's a... A snowman with a Mexican hat on. Um, it's just one of these random little <laughs> funny moments, which I think is, you know, it's nice. But I like Adam Beach. Adam Beach is, you know, he's been in plenty of things. He's kind of like Nick Turturro like a week or so ago, uh, where he's been in things. You'll see him a lot. But um, he was recently, I know, in uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, there's a random thing for yeah. people who don't know what he's in. But, um, yeah, look, according <clears throat> to IMDb, he's best known for Wind Talkers, Nicolas Cage movie, Flags of Our Fathers, Joe Dirt, and Suicide Squad is what he's best known for. So there you go. Um, okay, yep. Yeah. Pretty so- pretty solid actor. Yeah, he's been in All plenty the- of other things here. Like he's done the rounds of kind of the main TV shows here and there. Uh, he was in Law and Order SVU for a while, it seems. Yeah, um, yep, he was. Yeah, so he's in, uh, he's only in two episodes of Third Watch. I thought he was in more than that. That's interesting. Um, so he will be in Blessed and Bewildered. But I, I, yeah, I like, I like this character. I like Adam Beach. So again, this is one of those sort of moments of this episode where actually I, I like it. And there's a scene coming up, which I can say might be a nominee for a top five moment when we get to that eventually. Um, Munro and Bosco are driving around, um, they're talking about what's doing for Christmas. We hear that Bosco usually goes to Yokus's every year after he's been with his mum, but not going to do it this year. Um, and he does go somewhere every year. He mentions that. And we're going to see him going to church later on, which is a little bit strange, kind of like that cruise, uh, scenario when we didn't believe that she would go to church. Um, I do like the way Bosco kind of says, like, you know, I see Yokus go through this every single year. You know, I thought that talking Elmo was going to kill her. <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, and then basically Munro is inviting her, inviting him, sorry, over to his house. Um, and I kind of liked how they're like, what are you doing? Like, this is me being nice or whatever it is. Uh, so it's a nice little moment between these two. 
Yeah. We've got uh, Carlos's brother. Uh, what's his name again? I, why do I forget Adam Beach's name? Christian. Christian is his name. Never mind. Christian, yes, yes. He's at the table talking about Carlos. Um, and I do like the way kind of like they say, like, oh, I always pictured he'd be a cool guy that I could hang out with. Uh, and they all kind of have this look with each other, like, uh, yeah, that's not really Carlos. But, uh, anyway, it's kind of fun. Um, Mary at the hospital, uh, talking to Doc and Carlos, uh, and saying that Jimmy wants him back at the firehouse. And then I do love Doc's reaction where he's just basically like, why do I have to drop everything? Because Jimmy says so. Uh, and then he's like, if he calls back, he can come, he can tell him I can kiss my, kiss my ass. And I just love Mary's reaction. She's just kind of like got this blank look on her face and she removes the glasses and say, like, what the hell? And maybe one of my favorite lines of this episode is just the way where Carlos is kind of like, yeah. Really like the new you. <laughs> and I just, and it all adds to it. I just love the way Anthony Rebar kind of plays this bit. He kind of like, like, I guess, strokes his chin in this weird way. And then he kind of just looks at Mary and he's just kind of like, you don't really have to say that. And then kind of just like does this hand motion as if to say like, no. And then just walks off. <laughs> Mary, Mary, the unhidden star of this episode. Uh, unhidden, that's not a yeah. word. You know what I mean. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, such a funny little moment. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, God, we're still going to be to go this episode. I'm going to rush through some of this stuff because I can't believe we're talking so long about this episode. Uh, Sully and Davis are back at the building that burnt down before where they met Audrey. They can't find, they can't find her. There's a homeless guy. Uh, Audrey is there. Um, cool. Um, and she's, what does he say about you make something happen and I'll sing a carol? Um, oh, okay. Oh, remember. yeah. What'll make him happy, what'll make him happy is if she's in a warm bed tonight. Mm. That's right. You make that happen. I'll sing a carol. Um, and this is just one of those annoying scenes <laughs> with her where kind of, She's leaving with a bunch of Christmas decorations and then, you know, she's just been not even listening to what Sully and Davis are saying. She's like, come on, we've got not much time. It's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, Bosco and Munro show up to a house. A guy's been robbed. All the presents have been stolen, sadly. And, uh, you know, Bosco and Munro are kind of like, look, there's nothing really we can do. You know, you have to file a report in the morning and hopefully they will uh, be able to help you out. He spent all of his uh, paycheck, so he can't exactly, um, you know, go out and get any more presents. And even if he did, you know, it's Christmas Eve. Where is he going to find presents? Um, and then this is where Bosco, Bosco and Munro are kind of like, oh, you know, too bad we don't have a store owner who is willing to help us out. Uh, I'm surprised I don't shut up to this store owner soon and say, like, can you help us out? And he's like, duh, what are you talking about? Who's, what do you mean? Like, he's just so <laughs> dumb. Um, Audrey back at the uh, precinct. She was talking about how she escaped because they didn't have any Christmas decorations, so she went back to get some Christmas decorations. Um, is this where Sally gives... No, Sally hasn't given the hat uh, yet too bad. Um, where are we? Oh, this is where uh, Carlos comes back to the firehouse, is it not? Or am I skipping a scene? No, I'm skipping Thereabouts. Um, no, I am skipping a Scene. I have not written about the Sully a bit moment. It is a random little scene in the middle there. Uh, I'm reading my notes and flicking through the episode at the same time to just clarify what I'm up to. Let's just skip to the fact that uh, they're back with uh, Christian at the firehouse, still talking about Carlos. We find out that Carlos's br- uh, name actually was Adam, uh, not Carlos. Kind of is that a bit convenient? Adam five five three. I know that he kind of works on yeah. the word five five three, but uh, you know, I think that's kind of a. Uh, 
funny that uh, they have that as a name. Um, Jimmy kind of looks out the window, sees that uh, they're here, and um, this is the moment where Carlos comes up and he meets his brother, uh, and we find out that uh, this whole time he has been looking for him for 25 years, and so because we had that what last episode where Carlos is like, they never looked for me, but it's kind of like a nice little moment where you actually realise they have been looking for him. Um, and yeah, he's also should mention a match, uh, so he can donate to, uh, help save Kylie and, yeah. uh, just the moment between the two of them, kind of just Carlos's reaction looking very like solemn and kind of like nervous and not knowing how to react. Uh, it's just such a nice little moment between the two of them and, uh, Carlos kind of sits down and doesn't know how to react about it. And, um, he, yeah, Christian sort of walks up to him, uh, taps him on the shoulder. It's not like they hug or anything, kind of. It just feels like one of these moments where, like, yeah, Carlos wouldn't accept a hug at this point. But, um, I'm just no. going to say this right now, like, even in an episode that I'm not a fan of, this, this is a potential top five moment. You know, I think it's a, it's a big deal that Carlos finally has met a family member and that this guy legitimately is his family. Like, we're not going to have some random plot twist in an episode that this is another scammer. Um, but yeah, it's such a, it's a nice moment. I, I, I do really like this scene between these two. And I love the, yeah, and I love the, I love, I love to watch the, I love to watch the promo for this episode because that's how this episode was, well, I don't know how it was promoted in Australia, but in the US, that's, that's how it was pro, that's, that's the moment that they really, really hyped up to get people interested in the episode. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm glad, because what else are they going to say? Like, next Friday on Third Watch, one cop's hunt for an onion will drive her to the edge. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no. In fact, I can... <clears throat> yeah, oh, in please fact, don't it went... say they did that. <laughs> no, they didn't. I was going to say, I can quote it for you. All right, go on. Give us one. Go on. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> next Friday, a special holiday Third Watch... In a season when nothing is more important than loved ones. And the smallest miracles soften the hardest hearts. The brother he never knew will bring his daughter the gift of life. Okay. An unforgettable third watch, NBC next Friday. The thing that's annoying about that is that, like, focus more on that on this episode, and I wouldn't despise it as much. The fact that you basically... All I remember from this episode is a freaking onion and an annoying little girl. And, like, yet the whole point, if they're saying the, the main part of this episode, is that, uh, you know, boss, uh, that Carlos finally meets his brother. Like, it's just one of these ones where you wish it was in a different episode. Well, at least I do, anyway. But um, the one thing I'll quickly add, too, um, is that I've mentioned it a few times, and I mentioned it way back in Season 1. We do find out here, I guess, that uh, Christian and the family are Hawaiian. Um... Yep. Now, again, you could argue that this is a plot hole because, again, in Season 1, uh, Carlos mentions he's Filipino. But this is maybe, yeah, one of those ones which I think you can probably let slide. I remember Brandy and I talking a lot about this back in Season 1 uh, based kind of on her life experiences and everything and how she sort of mentioned that it, this is something that could be easily forgiven because Carlos has gone through the system. All it could have taken is one person at one point to say, oh, I think he's Filipino. Uh, and then that's just stuck with him. Uh, Carlos legitimately yeah. had no background on who he was. I mean, for some reason, he's forgotten his um, year of birth, as we discovered last episode as well. Um, so, yeah, I legitimately think this is a forgivable one because, and at the end of the day, too, who knows? Like, his dad could have been Filipino um, and his mother could be Hawaiian. So, 
yeah, entirely think, possible. Yeah, so this is definitely one I think I sh- I just wanted to quickly reiterate because if people are keeping track of things we're nitpicking in and claiming a plot holes and saying, well, why aren't you you know ripping this to pieces when you rip this other thing to pieces? I think this is an explainable situation where yeah, it could be a plot hole, but at the same time, it's explainable. I used to always think it was a plot mm-hmm. hole and it used to annoy me, but now I've grown up apparently and I can see that you can let this one slide. So, um. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got Bosco Munro showing up to the, uh, dumb store owner's house, uh, shop again. He reckons they want another onion and they basically explain the situation. They try to, um, pay him some money, but he doesn't want to accept any money. He just doesn't like taking money, this guy. Jesus Christ, he hires child molesters and doesn't accept money for toys. How is this guy still in business? <laughs> so this is a scene where Sally goes to um give the Christmas hat back to Audrey. She says it wasn't mine. She's like, "Oh, can you not see it's like like a sort of wrapped up or got a ribbon on it like a gift?" Um and Sally just throws it out right in front of her. Um and you know, she's kind of like, "Oh, you don't like Christmas, do you? Don't you remember when you believed in Santa? How amazing Christmas is?" And then she kind of says, "Let's make a deal," and it kind of ends on a bit of a thing like, "Oh, what's this deal going to be?" And again, maybe another reason why this annoys me too. It's it's the cliche thing that this always happens in movies and TV shows about Christmas. Like, don't you remember the spirit of Christmas? Like kids saying this to adults. Like, you know, I'm an adult now. I forget that half the time. But I still remember what fucking Christmas felt like as a kid. I don't need a little shitty kid to remind me every five minutes. So, yeah. Yep. And I still, I still, I still remember it as well. And <laughs> okay, in the spirit of in the spirit of Christmas, I have to. Okay, well, did I'm sure? Did you did you ever did you ever believe in Santa? Of course I did. Come on. <laughs> How old were you when you stopped? Ah, uh, I I don't know the exact age. I do remember. Um, what are you talking about when I stopped believing, Davo? He's real! Like, I've never stopped believing. Um, I do remember a Christmas... Okay. Go ahead. No, go on. Sorry. No, no, you go. No, finish up, and then I'll say. I was just going to say, I remember a Christmas where I woke up, and uh, we used to have these, like, sliding doors to our uh, sort of lounge living area where our Christmas tree was, and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and um, opening the sliding doors to seeing my mum and dad put presents under the tree. So that's, I think, when I discovered, okay, Santa's not real. But I do, I do remember I there was a year where I knew I didn't believe in Santa, but I just I led them on that I still believed in him. But whatever. Anyway, sorry, you go ahead. That's fine. Um, me? <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say it. I was 10. That's not embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, um... And and I'll never forget how I reacted when 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 mom and when well actually it wasn't mom it was dad more than anyone that that explained it to me I was crushed and I was I'll be real I'll be real here but I mean it doesn't really add anything to the episode I just thought I'd ask that that's fine that's fine you know, hey like- hey listen hey listeners how old were you when you either found out by yourself or were told by your by your parents or whoever that that it was mom and dad putting presents under the tree on you Christmas know, I Eve. Davil, I feel we're going to get a lot of uh, messages saying like, yeah, I found out when you guys told me on the Oz Network, thanks for ruining my life. Uh, so, you know all our children listeners out there. Oh my God, I thought Santa was real. Fuck you, Oz Network. Um... <laughs> Monroe and Bosco drive to the uh, guy who got the robbed house. 
drop off a couple of uh, bags of presents on their uh, door on his doorstep, and uh, he's I all happy. I love that. Um, I but, love that. Scene. I like that moment too. But can I just point out, as somebody who used to be a child, most like most of us, um, you know those kids. As much as they're going to be happy, they're still going to probably be like, "Wow, look at all these toys." Dad, this isn't Oliver the Onion that I asked for. Like, they're still going to, like, complain. Come on, kids do that. Yeah, possibly. My sister definitely does that. <laughs> it's like, you give her a present. Even like, now? Well, yeah, she's, like, I'm the type of person that if I get something that I don't like, I'm the type of person who's like, wow, socks, thanks, I will wear those. Um, whereas my sister is legitimately like, oh, socks, I don't want these. Like, she'll tell you, like, flat out. Whereas, I'm going to lie and just complain about it later. That's generally how I work in life. Um, anyway, Bosco and Munro are back at the precinct, uh, sort of wrapping up their day. Kind of bad pun there, I think, with Christmas. I didn't mean it. But uh, Munro uh, looks at a, a locker, and she sees she's got the onion to uh, Sasha from Santa. Uh, she reckons Bosco did it, and uh, Bosco's like, I've been with you all day. How on earth um, could I have done that? Uh, and again, this is just, I, I, I do like the log how she's like, I got my onion, I got my onion. And just like this dance she's doing, it's funny. She's screaming and jumping. And then Lou kind of is looking up there. He's leaving. He's got his little hat on. There's another lieutenant at the desk, basically like, should I go check that out? And they kind of have a nice little moment. Merry Christmas, Lou. Merry Christmas. Uh, I do like the lieutenant's little hat. I think it's kind of cute. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I do love just her reaction at the time, even though it's stupid over an onion. But anyway. Uh, um, and finally, we have a bit of, I guess, a montage to close things off. We've got Destiny's Child um, doing a bit of, uh, was it Carol and the Bells or whatever that song's called? Carol of the Bells, yes. Carol of the Bells. Carol of the Bells. A bit of Beyonce in Third Watch, why not? Um and, uh, yeah, so we've got in this montage Jimmy and Kim, uh, looking on, uh, Joey, but we don't actually see Joey. We just see kind of like a lump under a, a blanket. So I don't get excited that we're seeing Joey again. Uh, we've got Sasha wrapping up the onion. We see somebody dressing up as Santa. Who could it be? We see Bosco going into church. Good for you, Bosco. And in kind of like the, um, the, the sad part of the song, I guess you would say, you've just got Doc staring at the card, staring through a window. I always thought that this was him opposite, uh, Mon- uh, uh, what's it called? Like, Morales' house. Morales. Which, That's what you, I thought too, now that but, you mentioned it. But you never see, like, the faces of these people that he's looking at. But, I mean, are we to imply that either, uh, Morales has moved back to New York or he has finally taken the 90 minute commute to Philadelphia <laughs> to look in the window? Maybe he has. Well, Maybe it's not that has. hard. He's a doc. Like, you could have done it a lot no, more. No, he hasn't. <laughs> Um, and we've got, uh, Jimmy and Kim sharing a nice little moment, uh, under the mistletoe, having some wine, they kiss. And we've also got Carlos, uh, having a bit of a laugh with his brother, looking at some photos. And we realize it's Sully in a Santa outfit. Davis puts on some reindeer ears and they go in and share Christmas and that with the kids at the, uh, orphanage, uh, that we had earlier on. The end. That is the spirit. Nice little way to end the episode, I guess. Oh. But, um. Wonder if, wonder if Audrey's there too. She is. She's there. Smiling her stupid face away. Uh. <laughs> you hey, can rate this episode first, Arvel. You can, you can rate this episode first. Okay. Well, I already know what, I'm pretty sure I already know what you're gonna do with it. Personally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rent it. Oh, I thought you were gonna buy it for sure. There you go. I'm shocked. 
not not oh, quite over the line. Well, I did. I, I wasn't plan. I wasn't planning on binning it, but I wasn't sure if I was necessarily going to buy it either. Well, you know, I'm binning it. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, it's not the worst episode. Like, if I'm looking at my bins, um, I have this. So this is now my sixth bin, and this is the third highest bin. So I have this below Collateral Damage Part 1, and I actually have this below Demolition Derby, the very first episode I binned. But I do have this above Firestarter, <coughs> The Unforgiven, and Snowblind. So, um... Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it does have a couple of and, moments. And it's a high rent. It's a high rent for me. Okay. I mean, yeah, as so. I said, it has got a couple of fun moments, which kind of don't put it right down the bottom of the barrel. I mean... You know, like, as much as I had my reasons for binning Demolition Derby, there are definitely still parts of that episode which I think are, are decent. And, you know, Collateral Damage Part 1, you know, still had a few moments. But, yeah, like, the the negatives outweigh the positives, and that's definitely the spirit for me. So, yeah, uh, that is where it is at right now. Um, but, yeah, so this is the first time that uh, I've been Collateral Damage Part 1. You rented that. So I was going to say... When was the last time I had a bin that you didn't bin, and that was that one? So there you go. All right, cool. Uh, we go from a pretty bad episode, in my opinion, to to me one of the best episodes of Third Watch of all time. Uh, call for help next week. Oh now, yes. Th- this is billed as the one hundredth episode. Now, look, we'll talk about this next week because I think there's some technicalities around this because if you look at a list of Third Watch episodes, this is actually the ninety ninth episode. But I think it all comes down to the fact that how they have uh, built some of the double episodes in the past. Um, and I think you actually have to go back. Oh, there, there is an explanation. I did work it out once because, um, yeah, that, I think they <clears throat> sort of lump one of the double episodes as a one episode when that should be two. Um, there is something um, how they've explained it. But it's we're, we're just going to say it's the 100th episode because... It, yeah. it was it was advertised as a hundredth episode, um, and it feels like it's a special episode that they do purely for the hundredth episode. It is a brilliant episode, and I think a lot of the brilliance comes down to the acting and the uh, the fact of the camera work in this episode is very unique. It was shot in a very unique way. It's based on a true story. Um, it's it's such a dialogue heavy episode. I mean, next week really is probably going to be a short episode just because there's so much dialogue, and we can kind of just go over the storyline itself. Um, but yeah, this, this is a top 10 episode to me of Third Watch. This is a great episode. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know oh, if you definitely. have anything to add on it uh, before we go wrap it up and go into next week. Um, nope, nothing to add on about a call for help other than, yeah, definitely be looking forward to it. And we will be back next week where you can look forward to us. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the relevant channels, and you can stay in touch with us and uh, let us know how, how you went this uh, well, last Christmas uh, in getting <coughs> yourself an onion because I'm sure that they were in uh, high demand for Christmas. Uh, my name is Ben, and I always pictured you to be someone cool, someone I could hang with. Well, I hope you pictured correctly. My name's Darvell, and I got my onion. I got my onion. I got my onion. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody, and see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.